Teachers, have you ever felt like a failure? Of course you have, and so have I. Every teacher out there feels like a failure sometimes. And that feeling of failure, it can really drag you down sometimes. I mean, that's exactly why Teacher Quit Talk exists, right? But before you throw in the towel and submit that resignation, I invite you to watch this episode until the very end, because I'll be sharing my number one method to stop feeling like a failure and start experiencing the sweet success that you deserve. So listen to this. More than 65% of all applicants to my Teaching Trailblazers mentorship program last week said they were feeling like a failure as a teacher. That's right. Let that sink in for a minute. 65% of all teachers. So does that mean 65% of all teachers are bad? No, what that means is the system is failing 65% of teachers. Okay, so here's a personal story from my own life. And I'm sure a lot of you listening or watching along out there can relate to this because so many teachers out there have their own personal stories of feeling like a failure. This particular story happened to me about 13 years ago, and I was teaching public pre-kindergarten in the great state of Texas, where I taught for 20, 21 years, and I had all the kids, 22 of them, in the classroom by myself, all alone, hashtag no class cap, hashtag no child uh, teacher ratios. Um, That's Texas for you. And we had to take the children to the bathroom, right? We as teachers. And pretty much as soon as the parents left on the first day of school, one of the first things we do as pre-K teachers is take them all to the bathroom because you don't want any bathroom accidents right away at the first start of the day. So we went there. I had a little guy. um, I had a lot of undiagnosed special needs in my classroom. And this little guy decided to hide in the bathroom. And despite the fact that I was doing a head count, it's like herding sheep or kittens rather on that first day. So they were all moving around like snakes slithering around in a pit. And I'm trying to count them. So we get back to the classroom. And about 10 minutes later, somebody shows up with him at my door. The situation could have gone horribly wrong, and I'm so glad that it turned out favorably and that he was brought back to me and all that, but I beat myself up about that a lot, right? Now, I could have sat there and felt like a failure all year long and and, and just dwelled on it, but what I knew and what I'm going to share with you today is that the system set me up to fail, so I didn't feel as bad as a lot of teachers might because... I didn't have a class size cap. I had no help. I was all by myself. The bathroom was down the hallway. It was basically an accident waiting to happen, right? And I'm surprised it didn't happen to me more often in all those years. The system set me up for failure, right? I know that. And because I knew that, I didn't let it really eat away at me, right? Now, that doesn't mean I don't have empathy for the child and that I don't feel bad about it. I certainly do. You know, in a perfect world, public programs would have a child-teacher ratio in place um, and not just let it be arbitrary by school district or by state, like it would be national. I don't, I don't care if you're in a private child care center in a Head Start in a public program. If you have children of this age, this is your ratio because it varies so drastically uh, throughout the U.S. And there was a Head Start Center right across the street from my school. And the teacher in that classroom 
made a fraction of what I did, didn't have as many benefits, um, but she had a ratio, whereas I did not. And it was the systems that we were teaching in, right? There was a, it's a balancing act, right? So that's just one example. We could go on and make this a six hour episode if we wanted to, but I think you get the picture. That brings me to all the reasons, hashtag all the reasons, why teachers today feel like such a failure, perhaps more often than they used to. And I think that when, if we were playing Family Feud, number one on the scoreboard would be social media, right? Because we have to have Pinterest perfect classrooms these days. I am so thankful that Pinterest wasn't around when I started out as a teacher back in the 90s because I would have fallen down that rabbit hole really quickly and I would, I'm be, I would be horribly ashamed to show you pictures of my classroom back then, which I thought was great, looked wonderful, you know, compared to today's classrooms, no. <laughs> so if we allow ourselves to fall victim to this whole matchy-matchy, my classroom has to be on trend and have all the current colors, if we allow ourselves to fall victim to that, then we can have more feelings of being a failure. So that brings me to demands. And by demands, I mean the demands being placed on teachers from above, whether that be the state, the school, the program, or your administrator. Those demands have grown exponentially over the last two or three decades to the point where it's almost comical. Like this has to be a comedy sketch, right? That we're living in right now. It can't be reality because when I first started teaching, I couldn't imagine there being any more demands than I already had. And it just got greater and greater and greater. And at some point, something has to give, right? Take this as an example from my own personal experience. And I'm sure some of you out there have uh, experiences that are far worse than this, and this, so it's not a competition, believe me, but this is just an example that comes to mind. It was one of my worst days of teaching, right? So remember, Texas, okay? The month was May, and it was very hot. If you've seen the news lately, uh, it is currently summer when I'm recording this, and uh, it's triple digits there right now, so think back to May. It was hot in May, and we had a power outage at school. So there was a transformer that blew up or something and then a spark flew and something caught fire and boom, we didn't have any power in the neighborhood. So that meant our school didn't have any power. But it also didn't have windows that opened. So now we're in a completely dark with no interior light in the hallways because the hallways are internal, right? And those teachers who were lucky to have windows, most of them couldn't open them. And so it became very hot, very quickly. And you have a lot of sweaty little bodies in the room with you. And it was really unbearable. But of course you would say, let's go outside. We couldn't because the transformer was so close to the school that safety personnel were working right outside the building and we were ordered to shelter in place during this time. So we have a classroom full of 22 four-year-olds, as well as all the other classrooms in the building. They can't prepare lunch. The toilets don't work because apparently they had to shut off everything, right? I don't know what, I don't know what the sewer had to do with anything, but hey, that's, that's how it was. We were taking kids to the bathroom with flashlights down the hall. 
It was wild. Let's just say I was a puddle. I was exhausted by the end of the day and just so cranky. But at the same time, we had to go to a board meeting that night. Now I know some of you out there in states that have unions are like, why on earth would you ever do that? Well, in some places, sometimes school boards are mandatory that you attend the meetings. So be that as it may, I had to go to that meeting. So I had to somehow get cleaned up, change my clothes. Thank God I had an extra set of clothing because I was disgusting. And then to kick that all off, so that started at seven and it ended at nine. So I was at school from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. I lived too far away to go home in between. The next day we had a school carnival after school. So I had to get up, come back to school, teach all day, start the carnival. I think it started at 5.30 and went until like eight o'clock, 7.30, eight o'clock and work that carnival in the heat after the day I had before. Hmm. Yeah. Those were two extremely unpleasant days that I will, that are forever burned in my memory because I was so completely exhausted. I couldn't even see straight. Now we'll get back to that story in a minute, but next up are behaviors. And if any teacher out there knows anything is that the behaviors that we're seeing in the classroom are becoming more and more extreme every single day. And this episode isn't about that, isn't about why, why that happens. This episode is more about how it can make you feel like a failure when you have all these behaviors in your classroom that don't allow you to get your job done, right? Like, and when I say job, I mean all the demands, the requirements, all the other things, right? Because we wear so many hats in the classroom. We're the secretary, we're the, the nurse, we're, we, could, we could go on and name all the jobs that teachers have throughout the day. Um, but you add extreme behaviors into the mix and then the other jobs don't get done and that leads to feelings of failure. And not only do we have all these behaviors, but we don't have any supports in place. Most schools, the overwhelming majority of schools that exist currently in the US, the public schools don't have the correct supports in place to support these increased behaviors, right? So crisis plan, what's that? Specialists, don't have them. Training on these things, nope, don't have that either. It's you, yourself, and nobody else. And then that brings us to admin support, right? Under behavior still. What if your administrator just says, deal with it, what are you gonna do then? That means the problem isn't gonna be solved because you're only one person, right? And then there's parents. Now, for the parents out there watching, I love you. I'm not talking to you. I'm just talking in general about parents. And we could go on and make this a six hour um, a podcast episode, but there is it's no secret that the media, the way the media has portrayed teachers and education in general over the last decade or more has just been extremely damaging and it has broken the trust between teachers and parents and vice versa and it is just to the point where it's becoming really difficult to be a teacher in the world today because of all this negative media that exists and that brings me up to listening to your co-workers complain what does that have to do with feeling like a failure well when you have an entire system that's set up to make you fail, then a lot of the people that work in that system feel like failures. So you get a bunch of people together who are feeling like failures 
and you want them to be happy and supportive and encouraging and professional to each other. Have you ever heard of Misery Breeds Company? <laughs> I mean, anybody knows that's ever set foot in a teacher's lounge knows that that is true. So it's really difficult to feel not like a failure when you're you know, swimming together in the same pot, right? Everyone feels that way because that is the way things are. Everybody is feeling stressed. They're experiencing all of these feelings of failure and it just spirals out of control. And don't even get me started on peeling back another layer of this onion. And that is feeling like you're a failure to your family because of all the things that you have to deal with as a teacher, right? Because you are so exhausted from all the demands, the negativity, the behaviors, everything. Now you don't have enough left to give to your family, right? So then there are additional feelings of a failure. And we haven't even gotten to the lesson planning part yet. You know, our real job, the part we do after the kids go home at the end of the day, and often on our own time. Now, I don't know about you, but I could barely think straight at the end of the day, especially in the beginning of the year, to create these awesome and amazing lesson plans. Okay, okay. That's enough with all the problems. Let's get to the solutions that I promised you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not the type of person who runs around shouting, the sky is falling like Chicken Little when I encounter obstacles. The sky is falling! The sky is falling! Instead, when I encounter obstacles, I tend to see them as personal challenges. It's almost like the system is saying to me personally, I dare you to succeed. And when I hear that or feel that, it's game on. So one important thing to remember when it comes to tackling these feelings of being a failure head on is that we have to first accept the things we cannot change. And I know, I know that's very old saying, but um, it's true. Like, is my district going to suddenly out of the blue put a class size cap on pre-K? No, they're not because then they'd have to hire twice as many teachers and they can't afford that. Are they going to suddenly hire me an assistant so that I can have 22 kids in my class? No, again, they're not going to do that because it costs more money and they're not going to pay the money to do that, right? Unless they're required to do so. But that's how the system works here in this country. The system is set up to make us as teachers fail. Now that you know and you accept how the system works, now you get to decide how you will react when you start experiencing those feelings of failure. You can either A, give up and quit and run around like Chicken Little shouting that the sky is falling or B, work smarter instead of harder. But what does it really mean to work smarter and not harder? So first things first, one of the easiest ways to help ease that feeling of failure is to stop comparing yourself to others, right? Stop comparing your classroom with other classrooms. Stop comparing yourself with the teacher next door or down the hall or on social media, right? If you've ever heard the saying, comparison is the thief of joy, it is 100% true. So once you let go of that comparison, it's going to really help alleviate some of those feelings. So don't worry about making your classroom look Pinterest perfect because the way the classroom looks does not reflect what, how good of a teacher you are, right? So put away the crystal punch bowl and stop comparing yourself to others. 
if you want to feel like less of a failure. So that brings me to demands. What can we do about all the demands being placed on us that are making us feel like a failure? Well, I think you and I both know the answer to that and that the demands probably aren't going to go away, but what we can do is choose how we respond to the demands and draw some very firm lines in the sand between our personal and our professional lives. So what that might look like, or for me, what I did, and I'm not saying this is the way you should do things as to how I chose to respond to the demands, right? So going back to my story, we had the uh, power outage and then we had the, um, the school board meeting followed by the carnival. Oh, and I forgot to include that that day the carnival was also a potluck, you know? So yeah, what I did in order to respond to that was I called in sick. I was gonna use every single one of my days that I had available to me. Now I know some of you don't have that luxury, but that's what I chose to do in response to that situation because I thought it was ridiculous that I would be expected to work two 12 hour days in a row after a power outage like that was just like no the straw that broke the camel's back no <laughs> now i know in the post-covid world that we all live in that substitute teachers have gone the way of the dinosaur and i get that but that is not my point with this story it's about how i chose to react to the situation and behaviors how can you work smarter and not harder with behaviors it's not like you can push a magic button and all these behaviors will disappear that's true Absolutely, you cannot do that. But what you can do is make a plan, right? So if you have ever experienced in your classroom chair throwers, um, extreme behaviors, I'm not talking about the he won't listen to me, he doesn't sit still type of, those are normal early childhood behaviors. I'm talking about the extreme behaviors where you have to like evacuate the classroom and, you know, everything's getting destroyed and there's all kinds of horrible things going on. Those are what I'm talking about. Those keep you from doing your job. So the problem with all these demands being placed on us is that we don't push back. And so you can do a pushback in a very professional and positive manner. So what I suggest doing, listing the behaviors, listing things that have been tried, right? So if you've got, maybe you've got a chair thrower and then you've got another child with other problems and you've got all these things going on in your classroom that are keeping you from actually doing your actual job, which is teaching, in addition to all the other things going on. So you're gonna list the behaviors that you're experiencing that are really challenging for you or challenging to you and list the things that maybe you've tried in the past or have already been done and then list the things or the supports that you would like to receive. Like, are there opportunities to bring in a specialist um, for like a behavior specialist, right? Is there an opportunity to um, get the child diagnosed? Is there an opportunity for the principal to provide more support? Like list some quote unquote solutions or ideas for solving this issue while also letting them know that it's really hard for you to get your actual job done that's teaching and helping the kids meet the standards when all your time is spent on this other thing. And that with the proper support, you're sure that things will improve with a smile on your face and a positive attitude. And that brings me to parents, right? So we talked about parents earlier, but what can you do, right? Parents are uh, parents and media has done all these horrible things to this relationship between parents and teachers. You can't change that. And that's true. You can't. You, the damage is done. But what you can do, what you can do is make sure that 
every single parent is on the same page with you before the first day of school. Now that does take some work. I will admit that. But we have a tool coming your way soon, so don't worry. But if you take this critical step, you can repair that relationship with parents before the school year begins. It can be done. I've done it very successfully for many, many years, and I'm going to take the headache away for you. I already have a lot of tools to do that, but that's a future video that's coming. But make sure that they know everything they need to need need to know and that you have every single expectation set set very clear boundaries about when you are and you are not available to take their call their text their email establish very clear guidelines about when you will respond i actually would say i am available to reply to your emails messages texts whatever between 3 and 4 p.m. Those are my after work contract hours. I could also have said during my lunch if I wanted to, but I didn't. <laughs> um, but those are the clear, clear boundaries. Like I made sure everybody knew you were not texting me at my house. You were not emailing me after school and expecting an immediate response at like 7 p.m., 10 p.m. None of that. These are the hours that I will respond. Um, Putting that out there up front is going to save you so much time and hassle. Parents are going to feel so at ease. It's really going to make things go so much better for you. And so we can't change what's already happened, but we can change what happens going forward in our own classrooms. And coworkers, they really can play a big role in this whole feeling like a failure thing, right? Because if you've ever heard this before, misery breeds company. And when you have a situation where the system sets their teachers up for failure, right? And everyone is feeling like a failure that works in that situation. Then what's going to happen when they all get together? It's going to be a hot mess, right? Now, I know there are people out there, some social media influencers say, eat lunch in the teacher's lounge. I know some of you don't have that, but a teacher's lounge. But for those of you that do, yeah. It would be great if we could all stand around, hold hands, and sing Kumbaya during our very tiny little lunch time, but that's not going to help solve the problem of feeling like a failure. So in my case, I chose to distance myself from those types of situations. If there is a situation where I'm going to be putting myself in that is filled with negativity and complaining and, you know, just talking about how horrible it is and the stress everyone feels... I just chose to respond to it in my own way, and that was to not go there, right? You have the ability, you have free will. You can say no, you don't have to eat in the teacher's lounge. And if your principal calls you out on it or gives you a bad you know, uh, evaluation score because of it, then you can argue that because not everyone is the same. Not everyone gets benefit from being in a negative group of people. I don't know anyone who does really, but you know, some principles are different that way. But I promised you my number one tip to get rid of those feelings of being a failure. And that tip, my friends, is to seek help when you need it. Whether you need a mentor to show you the ropes, help with those pesky lesson plans, a supportive community of like-minded professionals, or practical, relevant training designed specifically for preschool and pre-k teachers, then you'll stop feeling like a failure. 
I know, it sounds magical, right? Remember when I mentioned earlier that 65% of all applicants to my Trailblazer program last week said they were feeling like a failure? Those teachers are now experiencing all of that help and more over in my mentorship program. They're busy reviewing our updated curriculum pacing guide downloading the curriculum components they'll need to use in their classrooms this year and watching more than 80 hours of on-demand professional development training as well as asking questions and getting answers over in our drama-free community. And they're gearing up for our annual Soar to Success Summit to which they all receive an extended all-access pass. Now I can already hear some of you out there who may be thinking, Vanessa, None of these solutions will work for me because of X, Y, or Z. And that's because sometimes if you feel like a failure, you begin to believe that you are a failure. And failures look for obstacles instead of solutions. But I'm here to tell you that there are 2,000 teachers just like you who are actually experiencing this transformation right now over in my Teaching Trailblazers mentorship program. And if you're feeling like a failure, I invite you to join the Trailblazer party where we celebrate success and we don't dwell on failure. If you're watching along, look directly below this video to where it says links below, expand the box, and there you will find the link to Teaching Trailblazers. If you are listening along, go to simply to teachingtrailblazers.com and apply to join today. I'll see you on the inside. Until next time, I'm Vanessa Levin, onward and upward.